You are now listening to Feeding Off Each Other. Welcome to Feeding Off Each Other, a weekly podcast where we feed off the talent, humor, knowledge, and awesome stories of our guests and each other. You think I forgot? I thought you forgot. There's three dots in the script, so I did a Mm, long pause. Dramatic pause. I'm Jason Lucas, and I'm joined by David Wiggins. And wait a second. Wait a second. Where is he? Where is he? Hold on. I got a sound for this. Yeah. yeah, Who are you? Nope. That wasn't the one. (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, Matt's running a bit late, so we just thought we should get started. We're on a schedule. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have a very awesome guest with us today we do dave you've worked with this person Mm -hmm. do you like them yeah (laughs) do you want to do the intro for them uh, do i have to read it off your computer you'll have to read off my computer okay oh god wow it's written down and everything that's cool it's we scripted it you guys do your research all right spelt right (coughs) stop talking stop talking stop talking stop talking Today, we have the privilege of being joined by a true visionary in the world of action, sports, filmmaking, and beyond. Our guest has worked with a number of big names such as Red Bull, North Face, Specialized Bikes, and IFHT Films, to name a few. Not only can he masterfully wield a camera, he is also a wizard at flying drones and setting up cable cams. This person is incredibly talented behind and in front of the camera. But he's also a good friend. Without further ado, please extend a warm, chutherly welcome to Liam Milani. Thank you. That was very nice. Welcome. Oh, and oh, and our other guest is finally here. Oh, my here. God. Son of a bitch. Stay a while. Yeah, yeah. Liam, thank you for coming. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This is exciting stuff. And hello, Matt. <laughs> what do you like? A, like an entrance music. Uh, Something like that. Yeah, that works. Red leather, yellow leather. Red I had leather, to do the leather. normal intro without you. Mm-hmm. It was very ad libbed. We did the guest intro we too did the already. Guest intro. Okay. We're, we're singing. Yeah. All right. Getting in the zone here. Mm-hmm. Hello, motherfucker. Just want to let you guys know I'm definitely not sick. Definitely not sick. Huh. But on the way here, I thought maybe I should pick up some some Dayquil at the gas station. Mm -hmm. Didn't have Dayquil, so I went over to the uh, Stongs grocery store. Stongs. Shout out to Stongs. (laughs) Friend of the pod, sponsor of the pod. And uh, I stood behind a lady who had to try three different cards. It kept getting declined. And I was like, all right, what's going on? Looked up. It was Chris Clark's mother. Very nice lady. And uh, I never saw her successfully pay for her thing. So I had to change lines. Anyways, I'm late. Sorry. <laughs> and Chris, you might not have an inheritance. <laughs> yeah, sure. that money. Sounds like the Clarks are... Times yeah. are tough in the Clark the household. Uh, so where are we at? Did you ask what his process is? Or? Yeah, where do I get my... Oh, yeah. From? Uh, what processor do you use? Is it Intel or... <laughs> uh, uh, whatever Steve Jobs gave me, I think. What the you, ghost of Steve Jobs? What do you got? Adele? Adele? You working with Adele? Adele. Yeah. Hello. Uh, no, no, like, the only like, dude, you're getting a Dell. What about, what about like a Compaq? Remember those? Oh, okay, with the Q on the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Liam, what no. was your first so computer? What's the joke? Uh, I mean, my first computer was whatever my parents had. It was big and it was white and it was kind of square. I think oh, I played like Neopets on it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, who's gonna do it? Neopets. Who's oh. gonna do it? Dave, big white and square wiggins. <laughs> uh huh. 
You know Weird Al's white and nerdy? Mm-hmm. About me. <laughs> Damn. Dave! That's cool. Thank you. So you, you, you don't have like fond memories of your first computer? I was saying last time, my first family computer was off the shopping channel, 35 gigabytes. That was the entire oh. hard drive. I'm trying to think when that would have... I feel like the 90s for sure, probably mid-90s. That's when computers started. It showed up in people's houses. I, I was born no. in 1990, so I feel like... By 1996, maybe? I don't know. What do six-year-olds do on computers? Mm, the pinball? Space pinball? I think they probably just push, like, food into them and stuff. Neopets a thing of that? I, I knew that there was Duke Nukem on the computer, but mm -hmm. I would have to randomly open up the directory, go to my computer, and just click. Click for an hour until <laughs> something opened Duke Nukem. And then I was, could I you was not, stuck. Could you not read at that point, or...? Uh, well, I could read, but I had to find the, the shortcut. No, it just like, sounds like you're just clicking randomly. Like, I didn't know how to find the, I didn't know how to read computer. Yeah, yeah. You know? We, we had a Mac. We got it in, like, 1992, I want to say. Whoa. Early, rich guy. Pre-internet. Damn. No, no. We got it from the government. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> explain one day. Anyways, we had, like, someone had put, like, some games on our computer with this game called Boom. It was kind of like Bomberman, <laughs> but it was, like, the Mac version. It was sick. And there's a game called Bubble Trouble. But mm. best of all, there was a screensaver of a naked lady that we could turn on. Default? That, you got that from the government? The government? That's <laughs> <laughs> that part wasn't from the government. Queen Elizabeth. And so nice. at, at, one of my, at one of my birthday parties, I, I think I was like seven or eight, I, I brought a bunch of my friends downstairs and I was like, check this out. And it was like a black and white, like pixelated naked woman. And she like kind of like had her like, ar like hands kind of going like, like over her boobies. Oh yeah, and, that's cool. Uh, it was very exciting. And then one of my friends told his mom, and I was so fucking mad. Oh, oh Real narc move. So what? They deleted the file? No, no. Screen <laughs> screensaver stayed. I was just embarrassed. There was no repercussions. <laughs> and to this day, that's why it's a screensaver on your computer. It still is. Yeah, that's nice. So speaking of going way back, let's let's talk first Liam memories. I was thinking on the way here, Liam, I think actually had a big impact on my life. Wow. Wait, we did the guest intro. I can say Liam. Mm -hmm. We know Liam now. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay, good. Sorry. But you guys say Definitely his last name. Definitely not sick. Oh, Mulaney. Wrong. Mm. Uh, he had it good. I got it good. Mulaney. Mulaney. Oh, there's three ways you could say it, and I always get it wrong. I had a, a just the project that I just wrapped. We did it last year as well, part of the same series, but... Um, it was a, a commercial thing for a financial institution. But anyway, we got a, like a, a hard copy photo book of behind the scenes photos. This is like the client prepared this for us and uh, gave it to everybody. And it had like all the analytics of how well the, the project went, which was, it was really nice. And then it's everybody's name. And then there's my photo. And then it says Liam Gallagher <laughs> on it. I spent weeks with you people. What? Is that Isn't Liam Gallagher? Is this is the half of Oasis. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. <laughs> wow, that guy from Oasis yeah. is sure a good filmer. I was really confused. Like band Oasis? Or no, like a what? beautiful desert. No, of Wonder course what? Band. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it was a TV Liam, show. Liam really. and Noah oh, Gallagher. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I am not I am not Liam Gallagher for the record. I'm Nor is that your middle name. No, yeah, that's just a different person. <laughs> Yeah. Damn. <coughs> How did that happen? Did you even yeah, tell I them? think they did a, a reprint, but only just for me. So it's kind of like, it's been sent to everybody <laughs> in like the directors and, and 
it's just basically I just have a, a one that has the corrected version for oh, myself to show there's, my there's, mom, I guess. There's a Liam Gallagher out there who has like a million followers now. <laughs> and he doesn't know why. No, he does know why because he's an oasis. Because <laughs> he wrote Wonderwall, I think. <laughs> you know I what, meant like another Liam Gallagher, <laughs> but uh, yeah. You know what, though? Today is going to be the day we're going to throw it back to you. So anyways. <laughs> Wait, we were saying... Uh, First memories, okay? You had an impact on my life because you made a self-edit like years ago. I've probably talked to you about this. I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember you mentioning. It was one that had Death From Above 1979 mm -hmm. or something. As yeah. the, it was literally just me riding back and forth on a bike when I was on vacation with my parents or something. And I was like riding back and forth on like sand dunes or something, I think. Is that the one you're talking sand about? Yeah. yeah, I think it was in Kelowna <clears throat> or something. Maybe, maybe I think the, you've mentioned the one that I'm thinking of, but maybe there's a different. I don't remember dunes. I remember like tall grass, kind of like Kamloops, Kelowna vibe, you know. Yeah. Dry. It was grass. some of that, but yeah. Yeah, and I saw it, but way back in the NSMB forums, and I don't know for whatever reason I thought it was cool, and it inspired me to make my own in my backyard, and I I wish, I wish we could have pulled it up. I should have pulled it up, but uh, yeah, I basically ripped it off. I even used the same song because I thought it was so sick. And uh, it inspired me to like get out there and do it myself. And then I think the, I did release a version, but I ended up changing the song because I had oh. the respect to That's so awesome. know, acknowledge that I put, shouldn't put it out with the same exact song. <laughs> I, I would love to see that. That's awesome. I can't even, yeah, I think I remember that video, but that would have been, yeah, I was probably 16 or something when I put that out. So how are you, you're two years younger than me, maybe? Uh, you're I'm 1990, yeah. you're 92. Yeah, mm -hmm. look at us, huh? Couple teenage boys just getting after it. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean that's pretty that's pretty significant. Yeah, that's awesome. You, you introduced me to the self edit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you done any self edits since? No, that was the only one. Self, self. What I mean by that is you set up the camera, you're filming yourself, you're a one man team, and you're making your own riding bike. Video. Yeah, I think I started learning that other people were better at riding than me mm -hmm. and I should just focus my attention on filming those people than pointing it inward to myself. So, yes. Um, I had that moment too. And I think it was, uh, came from a little bit of an insecurity that I wasn't good enough and I didn't want to hurt myself. And was there any of that going on that you didn't want to push it? Yeah, push the limits? probably. I don't know. I think I was always trying to push. I was always trying to show off, but it became like when you're showing off, like I, I went to a school, like university in Kelowna and um, at that time, there was quite a big riding, kind of like dirt jump slope style scene at the time, like kind of around 2008 to 20. It was like the, what was the, the spot or dreamland, like these, these kind of yeah. classic like mm -hmm. dirt jump dreamland. spots. So I would go riding with people and clearly these people, they would go on to be professional riders. And it's harder to show off when you're riding next to Bass Van Steenbergen or something like that. You just, there's a... a it humbles you, uh, and so it kind of shatters any illusions that I'm going to do self-edits or ask people to film me when there's a clear, better option to be seen here. So I think it kind of, it just became that. I'm the one who holds the camera, and then, uh, yeah, we'll just let the good people do what they do. Did you have, like, those people <clears throat> asking you to film them? Like, were you know, because I'm assuming, like, a bass or someone was probably like, well, I kind of want to be a pro mountain biker, so I should film myself. You know, or get myself filmed. Maybe I should ask this dork holding the camera over there. Hey, Gallagher, uh, <laughs> you want to... Uh... <laughs> I, I mean, I think it was probably pretty mutual. Uh, I, I don't know. People want to... I, I think for me, I'm like, oh, I want to make a cool 
videos. I think that was, I started feeling that that's what I wanted to do, even though I was in school for engineering. I think that I started feeling that engineering was not that dope. Uh, <laughs> oh God, sorry, sorry engineers. Well, sorry, uh, you're speaking to non-intellectuals here. Can you simplify that for us? <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of math, a lot of calculus that has never come back in my life. Uh, yeah. And so I think, uh, you know, I just, it seemed like the, the, I, I was good at math in, in high school. Is this why you got the TurboTax jobs? That's how you want them. Yeah. They knew your background. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. yeah. They wanted those, uh, sweet, sweet numbers pushed around by someone with a big brain. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I think by the time I, I kind of got in my second and third year, I was kind of mentally out the door of pursuing that. But I think I had done so much shitty math by that point that I feel like I had to finish it to at least, you know, maybe this is something that I can do later. But, um, yeah, I kind of wanted to kind of pursue video filmmaking or whatever it was. And uh, at the time, I was just surrounded by a lot of people who rode, and we all just kind of shot together and, and whatnot. And you kind of just keep improving what you want to see out of a video. And they, you know, when you start kind of working with people who end up to become pro riders, you are suddenly having access to better and better riders who start having sponsors that maybe can throw a little bit of money your way. And it kind of just starts building. It all kind of cascades together, I guess. And so that was kind of the trajectory, at least at the beginning. But I don't know if you could do that. Like, it seems like, I mean, that was 10-ish years ago. But I, th I think it's so different now. Mm -hmm. I feel like that same, like, I, I know you guys had Westerland here, right? At mm -hmm. some point. Like, I feel his generation, and then I, whatever my generation would have been hitting right at the DSLR yeah. revolution. Yeah. I feel like that had this huge impact on um, kind of that DIY filmmaking style. But I, I think we're in such a different thing now that I, I wouldn't, like, if I, I would have advice for someone in 2012 to, like, how do you start? I could tell you what to do in 2012, but in 2023, it just feels like a whole other game. I don't know. Pull out your iPhone and just get content, lots of content. Seems <laughs> the more, the, way. the better. Yeah, it's yeah, a volume exactly. game. Yeah. Yeah, so it's weird. It's like, uh, yeah, I think things have changed across those, even like not full generations, but even just these like micro generations, it feels like the, the shift has been pretty dramatic. We were lucky to be starting our careers around the DSLR boom when uh, you could capture these images for the price of like $1,000 or so, you get like a whole kit. Mm -hmm. And I vividly remember seeing the first uh, mountain bike footage filmed on a DSLR. I think it was filmed on a 5D or something. But that like progressive, this is a bit nerdy, a bit inside, but the progressive footage versus the interlace footage, it was just mind-blowing. It was like, holy crap, this looks so crystal clear and beautiful. Mm -hmm. how, do we, how do I get into this? And it was also like the the 5D, like I, the Coastal Crew videos were the first yeah. kind of mm -hmm. the 7D and 5D that I was seeing. And that, I mean, just seeing depth of field on like a full frame camera, it's suddenly like, ooh, this looks like a movie. It's like all <laughs> cinematic and stuff, you know? And I, I feel like before that, it just wasn't, there's just a huge gap between like, you know, for like the... Antil and, and Freeride Entertainment had like film cameras and it was just this big operation that you had to have to get what you could, I mean, reduce to say a cinematic look, but there just was this immediate shift that was some suddenly in the hands of so many people that just 
people could go out and create really interesting looking footage that um, looked really dynamic and you could push and pull color around and, and it was, yeah, it just kind of like leveled the playing field again. But I also think it made a new era of cheap filmmakers who wanted to come out for nothing because they had a cheap camera and they were getting pretty good at it. Yeah, I think that's, I, I'm, that continues. I think it the continues. new standard <laughs> is a red. You have to have a red camera and that's the person will come out for free with the red camera. <laughs> What was the what was the first video you actually got paid for? Oh man, I I mean it must have just been like like in the bike world. I feel like is I don't know maybe it was something with like Mike Hopkins when we were in university because he was kind of around that era that we were shooting together and um, yeah I'm sure it wasn't whatever it was I'm sure it wasn't much like it was it's funny the the you know you get paid like five hundred bucks a thousand bucks. And at the time, you're like, oh, my God. I'm like, <laughs> hell, yeah. Like, i good for rent for, <laughs> yeah. like, three three Years. months. It's all good. Yeah, it's, like, it's totally fine. I, there's definitely a lifestyle creep that, uh, yeah, <laughs> that continues to make your what you what you need to to it always kind of has to grow but you don't remember your first video that you got paid for i don't i don't know if i can point to the i know ones that i made but i don't know what one that would have you don't tell a story on every podcast you visit no have you ever seen two girls one cup yeah that was me man i was the cup (laughs) (laughs) i've still never seen that video i feel like i what i've like strategically avoided it my uh my whole life Strategically, yeah, I, I don't, I've heard, I understand the premise. I know what happens. Pull it up. <laughs> it, it was my screen. It was my screensaver actually. For a while. <laughs> I right, replaced next. the glitchy yeah. black and white lady. That's cool. I don't. I still don't think it's real. What? Two, yeah, no. Cup. Okay. Yeah, CGI. I think what? it's fake poop. Oh, you think? <clears throat> the consistency doesn't look real. <laughs> so I, I haven't seen it, but like the from what I understand, yeah. you see. The poo exiting Wait, a human, correct. Never right? Watched it? He's just I've, said that. No, sorry, yeah, sorry. I, never, I, I, I was sneezing, it. trying not to pretend, <laughs> pretending not to be sick yeah. over here. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've never seen it. Oh, we don't have to watch it today. It's That's not okay. that dramatic. <laughs> just do an audio. <laughs> <clears throat> but basically, one girl defecates into a cup, mm-hmm. and then the other girl starts to eat it, and then they both start to eat it, and then they start making out, and they start <laughs> vomiting. That's, yeah, that's that's. That's but the script that I remember the reading. The color too. and consistency, it looks like soft serve. Like it, okay. <laughs> well, the it's type like too monochromatic. Okay, is it impossible though that that's bo- that is a thing, that that happened? Soft serve? I mean, you ever... <laughs> I feel like the type of people that would engage in that act probably don't have the same diet you do. And so there may be some inconsistencies. I don't know, the they, they look like they're in pretty good shape. <laughs> oh, fair enough. I just can't wait for Liam to go out with his filmmaker friends and be like, yeah, I was on this like podcast. Yeah. What do you guys talk about? He's going to share uh, with his clients. It's going to be on his girls, website. One cup. Uh-huh. Next to all the logos in his portfolio, it's got all the big names and his Vimeo staff picks. It's going to be <laughs> us and thumbnail. Yeah. Well, that's all right. It's important stuff. Each other. What are you talking about? What was your first camera? Uh, I think it was a Canon 7D. Mm. Yeah. Classic. So that was, that was uh, hitting the sweet spot right And there. you bought it new? I think so. Yeah, it was like uh, London Drugs. I think had a, some. There was a sale or something going on. How did you like, pay for this camera? Uh, uh, with money. That I. <laughs> How did you acquire this money? Uh, I'd been around. I had a paper route since I was, you know, since yeah. I was like twelve years old. That's something I've never wow. done. I never, never delivered papers. Not a good gig. So <laughs> here was my my scam was 
there was two competing <laughs> paper routes in, uh, I grew up in Coquitlam, BC here, and they, these two local papers had, uh, I can't imagine the competitive nature of these two small town newspapers pitting stories against each other. Like, it just seems so funny that there's like two newspapers in this town. And, uh, but I, it was the Tri-City News and the Now News. And uh, so they had their own routes, but it happened to be that the route that was around where I grew up, they overlapped perfectly and they delivered on the same day, which mm -hmm. doesn't always happen. And so I would get both newspapers would show up and I'd put stack them and then I would deliver them and I get paid twice for, for one route. It was also, so I went to high school during when uh, Robert Picton, who's a big Canadian Legend. serial killer. I mean, sorry. <laughs> big Canadian yeah, celebrity. Big, big Canadian serial killer. But he was, uh, he happened to be in the jurisdiction of these two small newspapers. Okay. Can you imagine like you've been, you know, you're living in Coquitlam and you've just been writing about like cat fashion shows or whatever you do <laughs> when you're a small town newspaper. And then suddenly you get Canada's biggest serial killer comes into your jurisdiction. I was like for years, you would just watch how any like sub, they would just find a way to work mm -hmm. it into, uh, you know, talking about like Robert Picton or something. Or if there was any world event, it was like the Iraq war was going on. It was like, we have Susan from Port Moody who visited Iraq five <laughs> years ago or something to get her take on it. Just yeah, to like yeah, yeah. get a local scoop into, uh, you know, somehow to tie into a more interesting uh, worldview. Hot take. Did anyone ever call you Coquit Liam? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good start. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, anyway, <laughs> I had a paper route, too, with the Richmond Review. I actually had a couple. We had two newspapers. <clears throat> review in the news. Mm -hmm. and I think the news just went out of business, officially. Probably because of me. <laughs> paper <laughs> delivering skills. I remember you, they gave you um, a tote bag like uh, to carry the papers with. I remember the setup being, okay, this tote bag costs you $15, so we'll, you'll pay it back through delivering these papers, which are delivered at like, it's like two cents of papers. You get paid at like an astronomically low amount of money. And it, I was very young at the time, nine or 10, and I didn't, couldn't like math it properly. I was like, oh yeah, sounds good. And it took <laughs> months to pay off that fucking tote bag. I didn't earn like a single cent from the Richmond Review for like six months of work. How, how, I was how like in debt by getting a job. <laughs> I was like, is this how life works? <laughs> That's how a Ponzi scheme works. You just got to buy the makeup first and then you can exactly. resell it. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? And, and when you're delivering the papers, are you going by foot? I did both. I did foot and bike sometimes. How do you carry the papers on your bike? You just put the in the tote that okay. you're paying off. Still, yeah. okay. it seems very like how many papers? I feel like you can't fit that many papers. It wasn't. Yeah, you. I think they had like multiple houses that were like drop points for papers, and you would kind of like pick up forty and like deliver them, and then the like the new piles ready for you on the next. Mm. Route. It was like pretty well done, probably from all that money from the tote bags they were. In. <laughs> So, yeah. so is being a paper boy, a paper boy, an exhilarating job? Because my impression is. Uh, Paper Boy 2 on Super Nintendo. <laughs> you're avoiding ghosts. You're, you know, swerving no. away from cars. There's throwing, throwing papers like across the street. No, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it exhilarating. No, but I'm also not familiar with that game. So mm. uh, it could be really accurate and you just really like boring games, but um, it's a very difficult game. <laughs> you know the one, Dave, right? Yeah, you start out $15 in debt at the beginning <laughs> of the game. <laughs> you never get life. out of it. <laughs> uh, 
Speaking of Ponzi schemes, I was in uh, Las Vegas somewhat recently, and we were staying at the the Luxor Hotel, which is the one that's a pyramid. And there was literally a big event going on, and I looked it up, and it was a multi level marketing. Wait, and they did it in a pyramid. I was like, point. this is whoever organized this thinks so little of these people. <laughs> <laughs> So it was some like supplements or something. That's like when the Trump administration did a news conference at the Four Seasons, but it was a Four Seasons landscaping company because they thought it was a hotel, and then they just committed to it. And what was the supplement company? Was it a sauna or something? Isn't that a? I I, I can't remember. Maybe a steam room. I think I like looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think I put in the name and the first thing that like auto filled on Google was, is whatever this is, a yeah. pyramid scheme. I've done that and before. And it was like, yes, yes it is. <laughs> Someone tried to get me into Primerica and I left the conversation, is Primerica, uh, and it was like, pyramid scheme. I was like, thank you, Google. Uh, <clears throat> what were we even talking about? Paper? paper? Well, well, we were I was talking about how he afforded his camera. Yeah, oh, we're really yeah. going on a long detour. To Jesus Christ. Christ. That's what it's all about. <laughs> Just feeding off each other right now. Uh, yep. Any yeah. other any other uh, bad jobs? I mean, I don't know if that was bad. You yeah, like it. I mean, you it was the community. Yeah, scammed a lot of money. Yeah, it was good steps. I got step counts before step counts were a thing. That was fun. Uh, I worked at Papa John's for like two months or something. Yeah, I wasn't very good at rolling the dough. I feel like that's the type of business that's in Coquitlam, but maybe not other places. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, Papa John's Pizza. I think like they're you kind of go out that way, and you're like, "Wait, you guys have a you know like Carl's Jr. Yeah, like a no, Carl's Jr. <laughs> Papa John's in Richmond. Okay, yeah, Papa John's Vancouver. What's the who? What's the demographic of people listening? Is it do they are they these local references that we're hitting? Are these are uh, these just are we? Uh, we don't care. Knocking them out of the park here. Are people <laughs> just googling frantically? Of googling frantically. Okay. Yeah, Google <laughs> actually shuts down every one time we uh, air a podcast. Yeah. They have Papa John's internationally. I think, yeah, Papa John has got himself into some yeah, situations always. over the years, I think. Right? Has he? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's he was caught up in some some hot mics and stuff like that, mm. I feel like, with some takes of different... The results have come in and you are not the Papa. <laughs> that kind of drama? Or <laughs> I'm, It seems like he's the kind of guy that would have some of that as well, but I think mm. there is more to speaking to different ethnicities being to not to his liking or something oh. to that effect. What kind of words would he use there? <laughs> well, you can... <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever want to work again? <laughs> there was one video uh, of him he oh did yeah, there was. that was really creepy. Wait, Brooke, are you yeah, pulling Brooke up? Had a, it up. She had the scoop. Oh yeah, beautiful. Awesome. One. Yeah. Oh, is that Johnson? oh, so Papa John's founder used N-word on conference call. Jeez. Yeah, there you go. Forbes taking him down. It was kind of hard-hitting journalism you wouldn't find in the Tri-City News. I'll tell you that right <laughs> now. Well, they'd relate it back to pig pizza. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm looking for garbage pizza. He's a real pig. <laughs> I'd like to go on the record. Tri-City News, I'm sure if you still exist, I can't imagine you do. It's 2023. Print media is dead. But you were great. I think you had some good stories in there. Uh, good flyers came in there. I got some good deals. Maybe even that's where I got the deal for the camera from one of the flyers that came in there. So... I don't want to disparage on the record Tri-City News or the Now News too hard. They paid they paid my tiny little bills for a long time. <laughs> a little 12-year-old boy bills. <laughs> <laughs> I said that uh, Richmond News might be out of business, but I think they just stopped print. They oh, they're online on digital only or something, yeah. And now you can't see the news on Instagram anyway. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are they doing? The review's out of business, so I'm pretty sure. There can only be one newspaper for a town like that. 
We made it in the uh, Richmond Review. That was our and first newspaper. Yeah, <laughs> that was our first. Uh, our first. I think we were on the front page, weren't mm-hmm. we? It was like how to. What was was it after Diablo? What or what? No, I think it's before. I think it was like I emailed them, being like, "Hey, we're making videos," and some of them even got 500 views. And they're <laughs> like, "Whoa, that's kind of crazy." These kids are making videos. What and was they, it, that one? it was just like a a piece on us making videos. I remember a headline in the review that was like how to get 9,737,642 views yeah. in a week or something like that. Yeah. But that was that after. Almost, was that we so we went back to the school to take a photo in front of it? Yeah. Was your that, school. Yeah, <laughs> Burnett. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. sweet. You ever been in the paper? Uh I don't think so. No. Mm. One yeah, day. I'm just a voyeur. I just stand on the outside of just delivers press. Them. He <laughs> yeah. delivers papers with our faces on them. <laughs> oh, God. I'm on the outside looking in. Yeah. One day, one day I'll get in the paper. I'll so, how long there. did you use the 7D for? What was your next upgrade after that? What was the trajectory? I, mean, it, uh, I think it was a red epic. Was the next one? So, I mean, I Jeez. used what? it. What? No way. Was yeah. it really? Yeah, I used it for a few years, like the Canon 7D. But then I took out. It was like a. Actually, I remember going into. Uh, this is. I must have been like 23 or 22 or something. I don't know. I went into uh, to like a business loan place. Uh, I, I don't know. It was money Mart. Yeah, Money Mart. <laughs> yeah, money Mart yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a loan shark. Some guy. Um, yeah, to try to present. Because I had this like, uh, um, uh, I guess a contract for a certain amount of videos mm. I had been, I got at some point. And, uh, and so I had kind of, this is the amount of money that I can make from, and I went into a, a business loan place in uh, wherever, somewhere in Vancouver and uh, tried to get a loan for the amount of money that would, uh, it was like $30,000 or something to get a full like red Epic camera package. And uh, yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it. Really? <laughs> give it to me. Yeah. So I had to, luckily I like, I loaned the money from my parents and I paid them all back from that project they believed in me. Thank you. Um, and, uh, yeah. And so that's kind of the first, the kind of that transition to go from DSLR into kind of, I guess the standard bigger, bigger leagues, I guess. But did they tell you why they didn't want to give you the loan? I don't know. Uh, They're just like bike videos. This seems stupid. I know this isn't a real, this isn't a real business. I think was kind of the, that's the takeaway that I was, you know, it just seemed like this is dumb. Like people don't do this right now for money. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and do you have to show them like bank statements and show your history of <laughs> income? Or you just, do you show up with a written proposal? Here's my plan, yeah. here's what I'm going to do. I, there must have been some of that. I mean, it was definitely, it was the contract. Here's what this is that I'm going to be doing over okay. the next year or whatever. Um, and then kind of here's what I've done. I hadn't really done too much, I guess, of note at that point. So I'm sure from their perspective, they, it was smart, I think. They... They made the right call, but like, uh, paper boy, okay, uh, <laughs> two months at Papa John's, thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of the trajectory, and then I've yeah had a couple of cameras, I guess. So the then, Red Epic was your second camera. That's uh, yeah. Well, hey. let's. I had a GS five hundred, a PVGS five hundred, Panasonic. Yeah, yeah. That was a handheld. Actually, yeah. might have been what I had. Yeah, it was. It was nice. It was mini DV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I so that's I, what I, had. I had that through like high school and whatever. So that was kind of the, camera. that was interlaced. So that was my uh, Wizard of Oz, Dorothy walking into the, what is she? She leaves black and white into color. Mm-hmm. The same metaphor there. It's more like C- sepia tone, but whatever. 
I think it's just because the movie's so old, it's kind of yellowed a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hundred years ago, I think that movie came out. Uh, no less. Okay. <laughs> Trivia master told you. I want to say 1939. Uh, I think it came out during World War Two. Oh, okay. They filmed it on site. It was one of the first, <laughs> or, or it might be like 45. I don't know. Huh. It was one of the first cut really big Technicolor films. Though. Would you say? I think 1930. I said 39, I and then I said 45. I want to say 36. Uh, Oh, August 21st, 1939. Oh, I knew yeah, that. I, knew I didn't look that. anything. I'm just kidding. I guess it would have been a big, like, 100-year anniversary. I feel like we would have heard about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, maybe we don't listen in the same circles. of. Part of the reason it became such a classic, fun fact, is that it was cheap to license on television, so TV stations would play it all the time. Why so cheap? I don't know. They just, I don't know. Hmm. Mm. Great. That's where the knowledge ends. <laughs> Same thing with It's a Wonderful Life. The license mm. lapsed on that movie, and then TV stations could play it for free. Yeah, I remember that. So I'm trying to think, like, how did you acquire <laughs> the business required to get a red? Like, were you pitching companies? Were companies coming to you and be like, this guy is sick? Like, I'm yeah, stuff. I think, yeah, a bit of a combination. So I think um, at that point, you know, and I think, it is probably similar for people who are kind of young up and coming filmmakers or whatever it is in this action sport world. Um, like finding writers who you get along with and who, um, who are, have like very strong talent and, and potentially aligning yourself with them and their sponsors. That's kind <laughs> of your way. And I feel like, so I think there was some yeah. of that um, kind of, uh, you start chipping away at, a, at some projects that start to have a little bit of money. You can start, taking a little bit longer to do things and um, because you have the budget to sustain like going on a road trip or something. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, you just kind of keep pushing what you want to do. And at some point, then I guess it becomes someone can look at it and be like, this looks viable to they look like they know what they're doing. We can give them some money and it kind of just grows. That's all it is. That's can, still what I'm doing is trying to make something that someone can look at and be like, this seems like this guy knows what he's doing, but I don't, they don't see the like the masking tape and stuff that's hidden behind the scenes mm-hmm. of like to get it to the end result, and so yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a con- kind of a co- constant continuation of of that same thing. So yeah, I, I, again, like I I wouldn't know what to tell people these days. I, I think it's it's probably a similar trajectory, but it's you you can get your work out there. I think a lot easier, obviously now, but I think back in 2010 or whenever it was, like you would put up a bike video and it was like kind of easy to get like a pink bike VOD and then it would get like 50,000 views and then people would actually like remember it and talk about it versus now it's kind of it's just like the same quality or whatever has they're making you know people are putting out like 20 videos of that a day and so it's it's just lost immediately yeah like there's I feel some like really good stuff and they just they're gone so fast yeah I agree I feel like <laughs> it's easier to put stuff out it's harder to get it seen Mm-hmm, for right. sure and even like getting it seen like you can point to like a instagram reel or something and be like this got this many views but i don't know if it has the same longevity of someone remembering it as maybe you know a different format so i just it just all feels so much more disposable so it's kind of a i don't know it's just a different thing and that's is what it is now i i suppose so can't be old man yelling at cloud I feel like yeah, I'm I mean, too like young I'm to be old man yelling at cloud, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 
I'm just thinking about like a <laughs> crappy reel that gets a million views versus <clears throat> your super high end, beautifully shot video that might you know receive uh, yeah. hundred thousand or less. There's like yeah, yeah. Now like who's going and spending fifteen thousand on a mountain bike after that? You it's know? such what's a what's the value? I, I'm so interested about how companies. I mean, even outside of mountain biking, how they quantify the views of things. You know, like yeah. so much of it is. It's like, oh, a million views on this. I'm like, well, what does that actually mean? Um, you know, like, uh, like people are, you're scrolling through stuff so frequently. I don't know how much are, is someone retaining of, of what they're seeing. So I, I don't know how to, how people measure the metrics of that now. It seems, I don't know. You're pretty smart. How do you do it? Nope. <laughs> Dave's smartest guy here. I feel like um, your, I feel like your lady would know kind of that kind of stuff. My lady? Yeah. My lady? Yeah. <laughs> My lady? Liam, My lady? My lady? Really get there? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I don't know. A lot of the time, I always see it as like, if it's good, if it's truly good, it'll leave an impression on someone. And like, numbers aside, yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's really hard to define. Yeah. I think the things that are the most valuable are the pieces that create an emotional response in the viewer. You, like a little chuckle at something is maybe perhaps more disposable, but so, I mean, I think of some of your films, I think of some of our films, the ones that I think I'm talking bikes here sold the most bikes. They're the ones that were like, uh, yeah, they triggered an emotional response. I was going to say relatable, but then like resonate, they resonated in a, in, in a meaningful way. I think yeah. so. Yeah. That sounds smart. That's pretty good. <laughs> I just, it's a funny, like when you go to, and I try not to be part of the marketing. Like that's, I just want to separate myself from that. I don't want to have to be like pitch to a company about why they should, like, it's just, I want to be a, I guess, director, cinematographer or cinematographer, whatever it is, and not have to do all these extra jobs. And I guess the intention is that the style that I've created works for some people and I will get, hopefully I'll be able to be contacted by the people who want to do the style of the things that I like to make and not have to, I guess, do a different style to try to chase a trend or something. Um, so far that's been working out. Uh, I'm sure it could all come crashing down on me. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a, it's a hard metric because it's like I did a shoot, uh, you know, in the summer it was a bike thing and, and one of the, the athlete who was on it, he was just like shot a little behind the scene video um, of just him like hitting some corners and it got like 1.2 million views on like Instagram reel. And it was just like, just a video clip. And I'm like, the thing that we're spending all this time and money on is not going to get anywhere close to the amount of views as that one little clip. And it's just such a, it's like, what are we doing here? How, are you, <laughs> how do you quantify that? How do you like, all right, well, give me the money to do this fancy thing. And then spend eight know. hours on the cable cam for one shot. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, whatever. This one little clip is, is shared. But oh, yeah, yeah a know. bit demoralizing, I guess. But <laughs> I mean, the I do. The, I do think there is something to the quality of a view, though, of yeah. like, yeah. or like it could just be watch time. So if mm. you do a five or 10 minute video and people are getting through most of it, that's a whole lot more hours than, you know, a 10 second clip that people are just kind of disposably going by. I wonder what like the people at Coke, Coca-Cola would say, you know, do they, do they care? But if 
I walked by a bus stop and I just saw an image of Coca-Cola versus I sat down and watched an amazing 30-second commercial. Do they care on one or the other? They're just glad I saw Coca-Cola. Different companies have different motivations though, right? Like some companies, their goal is they just want you to know that their brand exists. Like they just want you to be constantly reminded of it. Whereas some companies trying to communicate like a message about a certain product or that they're, they stand for a certain thing or that they're known for quality or X, Y, Z. So there's just, it's just different goals. Like Coke just wants their fucking logo everywhere. Mm-hmm. I relate to that. I just want people to know I exist. <laughs> you do. Dennison. I'm reading this. Um, I'm reading this in and out book right now. It's written by the current. <laughs> Is it like a porn or? Uh, You're reading the in and out Bert? book. Oh my god! I just bought that for you on Amazon for did Christmas. You? I did. What? <gasps> Fuck. Well, I could read it twice. <laughs> <laughs> I literally well, just it. Out. <laughs> Cancel that order. God. Obviously, you know I gotta have it. No, it, it literally is gonna be at my doorstep when I get home. <laughs> when, when we went to go film the uh, the little reel last week, the like 2020, 2003 versus 2023, Jason talked about that on the ride over. So if you had if you had taken him, you would have uh, found out. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, thank you. Well, yeah. Anyway, it's a great book. You should actually just read it. It's, well, it, guess what you got? Nothing. Yeah, well, spoiler <laughs> for anyone out there who wants to read it. Um, there's a thing in it where... It was either Coke or Pepsi. One of the two gave in and out free uh, drink, like fountain drink stuff just to be in the store. And then people, you know, get a Pepsi and they're like, oh, that was good. And then maybe, hopefully, they connect with Pepsi later and they go, oh, I'll buy a pack of 12 pack of Pepsi for the ho- house or whatever. But it's like, man, what a risk that is, an untrackable risk that you're like, here's all this free product for all your stores, no charge. And hopefully that person buys it. How do you track that shit? We can pay you an exposure. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. Well, I feel like Red Bull has done such an insane, like their marketing of just never doing paid marketing. I guess they do those like Red Bull gives you wings, little yeah. stick figure commercials, but like let's let's build an F1 team. Let's do Red Bull Rampage. Let's do, just do all these like have a guy jump from space. Like that's their marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. And it's the return on that is just uh, people buying Red Bulls Drinks. when they or hammered in a bar. I, I remember years ago they played those uh, black and white like cartoon commercials uh, commercials a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like they they were frequent on TV. Yeah, that's why. That was that the like awesome. been how I found out about Red Bull. You too, probably. I, th- uh, I think it was those commercials. Yeah. And I, th- I remember like asking my dad like confused what it was, and then seeing like a different. Like, like the Thai version of it or something, you know, it had a short mm-hmm, bottle. Mm-hmm. It looked more like a syrup, like a five hour energy kind of thing. They had those before right. the energy drink. My sister bought one of those on like the black market before there was, you could buy Red Bull in Canada. Remember she like went somewhere and met a guy and he like <laughs> gave her Red Bull and it was like the Indian or Thai, or is it Thai? It's from Thailand. I think that's yeah. like a Thai yeah. CEO or whatever it is. What? Founder? I thought he was Austrian. Yeah. Oh, well, but there's, what's the tie? Wasn't there like a tie guy who ran over somebody in a car? There's a tie. Like, there's a tie in for sure. Look it up. <laughs> I think there's some a some tie. tie Did we? I feel like we've already had this conversation on the podcast. Does he wear tie dye? He tie does. <laughs> Brooke just threw up her hands when I said, "Look it up." Come on, you got a long way to go to be the next Jamie Vernon. <laughs> Is that his last name? <laughs> Jamie Vernon. Yeah. Pull that. Vernon. Aren't you from Vernon-ish? Am I? Yeah. I'm from Coquitlam. Oh, Coquitlam, right. It's yeah. Coquitlam. It's Coquitlam. Right, right, right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I've been foggy, a brain foggy brain. Yeah. Uh, I'm wondering, like, now, you know, obviously, you're still pitching companies. Like, how hard is it to get a Liam video made when you're like, I need, this is all very hypothetical. Mm-hmm. I need 50 grand to make this video. And X company's like, well, I can just give, like, 
10 people five grand and they're gonna make like 30 social cuts for mm -hmm. social reels for me and you're like yeah but like is that yeah. an ever-increasing battle that you're having to do now i think so but i think i've also just decided not to play that like i just not engage in that battle because i've pitched a few projects to bike companies and, and it's kind of you know it is what it is sometimes they like it and they want it they like that direction sometimes they'll kind of like what you said and so i'd rather not chase that i don't think anymore i think it's just so much especially in the bike industry i feel like it's a i don't know it's a weird i think it lives separate than a mm -hmm. lot of other marketing worlds i feel like i've used this analogy a lot before but you don't have people tied i guess for as a uh, what's it called an outlier of this example but you don't have people going home and making Clorox commercials like on their in their spare time like on the weekend and like right. competing to like, should though <laughs> exactly <laughs> a Tide Pod huge marketing whoever got the Tide Pod challenge going huge bonuses I'm the sure dish yeah. soap commercials are the absolute worst <laughs> like they're, they've always been the same they're always cleaning ducks yeah. yeah it's really weird yeah but I mean just like that it's a I think the action sports uh, it's just kind of eaten itself to because you just have all these it's a surplus of people who are basically creating free marketing and then competing to just like to the bottom of who can oh, i'll throw a logo at the end for a few hundred bucks or something and so i think for so many years the marketing world in i'm sure it extends to a lot of action sports but mountain biking is just what i'm familiar with i feel like it's kind of just eroded a way of the expectation of how much something should cost because so many people are willing to come in and offer it up for so cheap. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a hard, uh, it's funny the amount of like uh, budget that uh, would be seen as a huge budget in mountain biking. And then it would be it just, if you were to take that outside of the mountain biking world, it's just like laughed at. Um, but you can do so much stuff within that small budget given um, I just there's so much creativity and things you can do within that and I, I sometimes get frustrated of what when I have um, kind of uh, like pitched on larger projects like lar larger budget projects and then um, like there was specifically one that was referencing a mountain bike project that I'd done and I know how much money it costs to get that mountain bike project done and then um, and then they kind of said how much money they had for this other commercial that they were like oh, we want something that looks like that and it was way more um but then they're like yeah you can have like two days to do this and like i do this for a week like i, I just give me the money and I will, I will give you this it's just that machine of kind of the the big the traditional uh world is like agencies and uh you know the commercial world it's i think it also could use a little bit of retuning to kind of find some efficiencies in that as well but uh yeah i don't know i feel like i've spent a lot of time i guess trying to get out of shooting mountain bike stuff because it would just be so like all consuming all the time like i mountain bike for fun and then i like hang out with people mountain bike and then it's like oh my job i'm like shooting mountain biking and talking mountain biking and so i feel like i've i've tried to just do stuff that that it just resets the creativity a little bit outside it and now that i i I don't really do too much mountain bike stuff over the last year or so. It's like a couple shoots a year or something that, that I'm, I'm stoked on, but it, I feel like it now when I come back to do mountain biking, I'm like so stoked on doing it. There's mm -hmm. so much creativity that you just from the, the time away from it, I feel like um, it just kind of grows. And it was actually, I, I Scott Secco 
brought me out to to just be like a B cam for him on some shoot a few weeks ago, and I was so psyched to just like I just finished all that like uh, financial documentary stuff, and it was it was that stuff was really good, but it was also just very all consuming, and uh, it was just so nice to like hop on somebody else's shoot where I'm not the one. Like, I'm not the creative director. I'm not, I'm just like hopping up. I'm just a guy with a tripod and a camera. And it was like, I remember, I think Bill Burr has the analogy of like, you don't want to be the guy who owns the boat. You want to be the guy who like shows up with a six pack and like high fives everybody. <laughs> so phone at home. Is the... <laughs> That's what you oh, want to do. Oh <laughs> yeah. Phone at home. Is that the saying? Phone at home. Well, let's be, I gave my all out there, but I'm not the one who having to like, Arrange the you know yeah manage the client relationship like, arrange yeah. the footage yeah, color it's so nice people. it's so nice to just must be nice show up and do your thing that never happens but <laughs> if anybody mountain bike Aaron the Rock Nick Genovese I saw you guys were just in Utah I'd love to just come down hop on a tripod camera D camera yeah, put, I'll go E F whatever <laughs> just put me out there I just want to hang out and crush yeah. beers in a desert with the boys That's their PL, <laughs> so cute do you think they're listening <clears throat> hello yeah. hello. <laughs> I think they would. I would love to have those guys on the pod. Uh, big inspiration to our work as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Those guys are awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's funny how, like, Aaron Aaron uh, was, like, he was, like, the VOD king. Absolutely. I feel like, I forget, he, I don't know if he ever put, like, how many he got. I feel like it was, it was over 50, I think, it's which like is insane. Every video. Yeah. yeah, it's so crazy. But it's funny because he was, like, uh, you know, he's, a f like, a few years older than me, but I think he was just, like, a, a head of, of, you know, he was the guy who's like kind of from the same generation, putting out really good stuff and really like cool creative stuff, and then like mind blowing uh, stuff every yeah, time. The like vibes Sim were immaculate. The color grading was on point. The music was was always so cool that you had to go and download the song after. Yeah, he influenced my my kind of like desire to make edits that cut to the music. You know, the mm -hmm. slow mo hits at the right time, the quick cuts during. Yeah, he was that was so awesome. And then it was it's cool to then you know go on to become friends and you just shooting and stuff with them and whatever yeah. just hanging out yeah i don't know it's a fun it's a fun little world mountain bike scene i feel like it's small it's still small enough that you can like you kind of know everybody ish yeah it's you a, know? yeah it's growing but it's <clears throat> still quite a small community i think also i mean this is probably biased just from being from bc but i think i guess back to that uh kind of time frame of this uh, that generation of uh, cinematographers or whatever you call pe film people, filmers. I don't know. Uh, nerds. Yeah, nerds. <laughs> yeah. Film camera film. dorks. Yeah, camera dorks. <laughs> uh, I feel like there are so many uh, people of the, like that generation that were all from BC, kind of coming out at the same time. Like the Coastal Crew guys, like Rupert, Harrison, uh, myself, and Nick and Aaron. Like we're all kind of from the same. And then you could even look at like Antil Freeride. They're all mm -hmm. from BC as well. It's pretty crazy how concentrated i guess like the the media of you know what i would say like cultural you know like those free ride entertainment movies like that that stuff is all kind of coming from bc and not to there's lots of really good people outside of bc as well but it just seemed like there was a crazy concentration at that time of of stuff coming out from we were certainly feeding off each other indeed there it is a good one yeah. we definitely definitely fed off each other Beautiful. Have you had have you had Claw on here? Not yet. No, we've had him on our Wheel of Nar yeah, and okay. the Isle Royale Park tour. Well, that, he just came by to drink our beers. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> he did a great job. And he crushed it. But he also helped us. No. Like he helped me uh, like unseize my fork and stuff. He gave me yeah, a tech no, tip. He was, he was, yeah. He came and rode a few laps. Yeah, we've 
wanted to. He's, he's yeah. a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Why'd you ask? Sure you have beer no, well, isn't that his? It was him, and that's where the feeding off. Oh, oh, ben, no, no, no. Yeah, that was uh, Matt Hunter. Yeah, but Matt Hunter, and wasn't it Matt Hunter saying? It was him saying, "Like I hope nobody ever says that." And then it oh, cuts to Darren Bearclaw yes. saying, "Everybody's feeding off." Yes, each someone sent us great. a voice clip in the DMs. They're like, "Hey, here's a new sample." Well, I think it was Scott Bell. Yes, he sent us a. Uh, what was it? Do you remember? No. Oh. There's also a Kevin Hart <laughs> feeding off each other moment that I forgot to sample. Ooh. If you ever hear a feeding off each other sample out there in Chather Nation, yeah, send, send it, it to in, us, please. I need more. Yeah. There was one uh, I watched uh, on a on a flight, um, the Burton documentary, and there's like so many great ones in there. It was just all snowboarders like getting rad and in the 80s and they're like oh we're all feeding off each other i was like i gotta download this movie and just like extract all of them but i'm really lazy <laughs> yeah send those in we won't yeah. do anything with <laughs> so someone else please do it <laughs> oh nice did did uh did drop in have any effect on your on your career in childhood oh yeah yeah that show was awesome what was it was like 2000 maybe 2001 what was kind of the the years that drop in was like season one was 2001 i think yeah i think it was yeah 2000 yeah, that would make sense. I feel like it was. They maybe took a year off and did the New Zealand one. Yeah, that was yeah. so rad. I feel like that was because uh, I was. If it was 2001, I was 11 at that time. So that was like prime. You like got a mountain bike, going out. It would come out. It was on four o'clock. Four o'clock, I think it was on. It mm-hmm. was for me. I watched it in the morning and after school. They had oh, the, the like same eight, episode. Eight o'clock slot or whatever, and then they had the three thirty or something. Yeah, same episode. So awesome. I don't know. I remember I worked at a bike shop in Coquitlam called Black Dog Bikes, which no longer exists anymore. But I think uh, Sean Denny was mm. the, the trials guy from, from season one, I think it was. And uh, I remember I, I worked at this bike shop. I was 16 or something. And uh, and I would like, I, I didn't know anything about, I, basically I swept. My job was to just sweep the floor at this bike shop. And uh, But I remember the the owner he was like, yeah, that's uh, Sean Denny. He used to work here, and that was he, he used that broom. That was the Sean Denny <laughs> broom. I was like, yes, sir, right away. <laughs> I was really fired up. You have <laughs> a 1950s accent when you're young. It's funny, because in his prime, he kind of looked like a broom. Maybe a mop, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the blonde dreads. Flip him upside down, could have swiffered up so pretty good. I don't want to name drop a brag here, but I've been going back and forth with Dylan Tremblay in the last month. Cause How many is that? He, we met him at the North Shore Bike Park, mm-hmm. and... Uh, he want he has some videos. He wants to start a YouTube channel and he oh. wants to start putting out some videos. So I've been helping him kind of polish them up and figure some stuff out. It's intimidating nice. to start a new YouTube channel. Do you still have the dreads? Uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Oh. Still going strong. Yeah, and he's um, still very talented on a bike. In this video that uh, <clears throat> we're working on, he uh, he said he was doing some street riding for the first time in like ten years. And he's he's on like a fifty dollar kind of like. Uh, I don't know, just some kind of crappy secondhand bike, and he's doing all these like, uh, you know, abubicas and fufanus and skinnies and all mm. this, all these tricky tricks. Talented guy. I feel like that was my favorite part of the, the drop-in series was when they were like, in the like, Alpine in the Rockies, sessioning some crazy shale shoot or big jump, and then they cut to the Dylan segment, and he's like found a scrap piece of wood that he's leaned up on a tree, and he's trying to <laughs> tire tap it like over and over, crashes. He's like ah. That was my day. <laughs> that was, that's like his genuine self, too. It's still him who I love. No, no, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. No, growing no. up in Richmond, right. I was like, that is that is our riding, right? Exactly. Like, I, I need to put these pallets together. And I'm like, oh, he made a pallet jump. I can go make a pallet jump. There's yeah. some pallets by the Safeway. So I appreciate it, truly. But that's, that's true. so funny. 
Yeah, living in flat Richmond, we had to find the scrap piece of wood. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Because you must. Yeah, you rode Eagle then. If you lived in Coquitlam, yeah, they did an Eagle episode oh, where I, you just that so was the kokanee trick of the week was Camacall bar spinning the roller coaster gap. Yeah, which was pretty sick. I was like. I'd hit that on my banshee scream. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, roller? Co- this is like a wooden so, roller coaster. Yeah, it, it basically it's just a. There's a log down. They built like a little roller, and t- and it just came down into a lip, and it was a step down. That it, I can retrospect. I'm sure it wasn't huge, but uh, you know, it's big at the time. And I just remember, yeah, Cam McCall was. He must have been like 18 or something, and like that season, like he was very young. And then yeah, he bar he bar spun it, which was pretty pretty sick. He had that like blue bike, baby blue. It's like a Trek Y frame or something. I thought. Mm. I don't can't know. remember. I can't, I can't remember. remember the color. I cannot remember the color of the bike. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> well, let's um, talk about more some of your recent work. Let's uh, sure. let's fast forward. We talk about a lot of the, a lot of the new the old stuff. The seventy. What are you on now? Another red or something or an Ari? What did you? What did um, you yeah, I mean, I have an Ari Alexa thirty five, but Ari it's or Ari. I don't know. If you're <laughs> in Germany, Ari. You, okay, so what is this, like a $100,000 camera or something? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. And where do you store it? Like, It's in a rental house inside two layers of container blockage. So nice. Now, how did it yeah. feel to purchase this camera, to hit the button, spend the money? Was it a dream come true? No, it was terrifying. I didn't sleep for many days. <laughs> what did the think, people at Money Mart yeah. say? <laughs> <laughs> no, this one was all me, baby. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, because it was like Aerie, so they announced the camera, it was last June, so a year and a half ago from, from now. And, uh, but it was, it was like, um, yeah, just, you can um, order it, but you don't pay anything till uh, when it ships. And so I was like, future problem. <laughs> I'll figure it out. And then, uh, and then, yeah, it, I mean, it took a, a long time. It was, you know, I think it was in last, I don't know, it was March. It was almost a year ago when they finally, they're like, hey, we're shipping. And I got an email from Aerie and they're like, great news. Like your camera's ready to go. So just send us the money and then we'll, uh, we'll send you the camera. It's like, ah, oh, shit. Okay. The chickens have come home to roost on this one. <laughs> and so, yeah, I was like, ah, oh, what's the, I just, it was a lot of, uh, it was basically like George Costanza on the pier out there. Just really, <laughs> you're a Seinfeld guy. <laughs> just having it's like my drop in. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's uh, elaborate on Seinfeld. Yeah. Well, just I didn't. Yeah, I was like, oh god, this is this could be a house. This is a uh, this is a lot. Yeah. So, yeah. did you have to consult with any family members or uh, significant others for this purchase? Uh, not a, like or a, was it a two AM drunk decision. Any <laughs> no, significant others? No, I did. <laughs> it was. I remember going down because I, I like. I just. I paid. I paid it all in one go. And I remember going down to the uh, bank, and it was. I was just felt very like it was unceremonious. The like the person at the bank. It was just like here's the yeah. It was like a hundred and something thousand dollars. And then and she was like okay. And I was like <laughs> you're not gonna like. Like, look at this and be like, whoa, crazy. Are you sure you want this? Like, You're just oh, like, yeah, okay. Next you must customer. have a big penis. <laughs> <laughs> really small to compensate. But uh, yeah, I was like, huh. Okay, so it's just gone, huh? That's all that money is just gone now. Oh, well. Now I have an expensive German camera. Now, what's the I don't point? Really Isn't it? I've heard that it doesn't matter what camera you have. It's whatever's on you. It's honestly true. Like, after using different cameras for you know, across different jobs. Like I, it's better for sure. Like it has, you know, whatever 
billion stops of dynamic range. Okay, explain to my stuff. mother what that means. <laughs> dynamic range is the uh, basically Nobody the. Nobody cares. <laughs> already okay. lost her. All right, she's gone. Um, but yeah, basically, it's like you can shoot. I think if you have a decent enough camera, you can shoot anything, and it'll look pretty good if you're shooting good light and you take the time to set stuff up. Like I don't think it's. It's not having the best camera isn't going to make you better. It definitely, when you get to a certain level, which I'm, I'm not necessarily at that level, but it's like once you get up here, like these little extra bits do mean a lot for when you're um, in that kind of commercial, like higher space, like like doing a car commercial, you can make a car commercial look 90% of a car commercial but without a, they call it a Ukraine now, not a Russian arm, Ukraine, without right. like the specific last tools that give you some of those really dynamic shots, you can just tell, you can just see it and you're like, not, this isn't, they're not quite working in the big leagues. And um, having a tool, I guess, is, is helpful. And it is, there's essentially, it's a business thing as well. It's not just um, like it goes out as a rental, um, like, in theory, so right now it's partnered in a, in a rental house, but like if I was to have it, I would, myself, it would just, that would be a, an extra line item that we don't have to go to a rental house to get. And if you are working on consistent enough, big enough commercials, that's that's not even a question of those very expensive line items. It's like, of course you're gonna rent that camera. So um, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't it be rented from you and you get that money? So over the course of enough time in theory that pays itself off, then it becomes a, you're making money off it and then you can sell it and blah, blah, blah. So it is, it's kind of like buying an excavator or something. If you have a construction company, it's like, you don't have to have one, but it's also helpful to have the tools sometimes at your disposal. And in theory, it's also a business decision. It's not just like a hobbyist. Oh, I bought this expensive camera and um, you know, that's I'll just shoot videos of my cat or whatever mm -hmm. so i don't know it, it is like a i feel like i've had to explain that to people but also maybe i'm trying to explain it to myself <laughs> yeah to like make myself okay with it um yeah i mean it's yeah it's definitely some money to your to your younger self with the 7d would you ever think you'd have a camera like that did it seem impossible looking forward or did you believe in yourself uh <laughs> i mean that at that time i don't think digital cameras were really like that was, that was pre, like I think the red one was kind of the first digital camera that uh, kind of hit a certain threshold and that was around the same time. So I feel like I wouldn't have even been able to know what, where that was all going. You know, you, so, yeah. Do you remember that like red rock micro stuff, the like blue camera, yeah, camera kind of. accessories yeah. that call it blue and yeah. it's like super overpriced. I remember yet being young looking at the price of that stuff, thinking I will never be able to afford any of this stuff. Now I don't want it. It's way overpriced. <laughs> but like buying stuff in that range, I'm like, wow, it's it's cool. We're here. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we're already there yet, though. I don't know if we're... Are we there? Are we, are we there? Are we? <laughs> I don't think you... Well, you don't need a fancy camera to do fancy shit. I feel like you can you can make fancy stuff without having a ton of... It's all just... It all, it's also heavier. When you start building... Sometimes there's a you're losing out on something by by having the biggest and the best and the fanciest as well. Sometimes it's uh, yeah, it's nice to just have a small little kit, little zoom lens, and you can get the stuff you know you need to get. We wanted to make a kind of a sarcastic video on ten dollar camera versus hundred thousand dollar camera. 
Mm-hmm. Can we borrow your camera for maybe like a day or two? <laughs> to just shit on it for <laughs> <laughs> uh, video. More or less. You seen yeah. Turgirls Tur- 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 One Cup? Turgirls Tur- 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 One Cup. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah, let the takeaway from this episode be watch Two Girls, One Cup. <laughs> yeah. uh, just everybody check out Two Girls, One Cup. Yeah, That's yeah. You got to put one frame of it in your demo reel. <laughs> just Fight Club style. Yeah. You mentioned that with the Ari, you're not, you're not at the level yet to like maximize the camera. What do you mean? Because in my eyes, you're there, wherever that is. What do you think you need to achieve to be at some level? What is this invisible I don't standard know. you've set for yourself? I, I just think it's, if people think they've arrived, I feel like that's a bad, you're not, then you've, you have, that's the end for you, I think. So I, I, I definitely think I'm, I'm better than I was a year ago, et cetera, et cetera. But like, I, I feel like you're always, I think it's also a comparing is, is a problem as well that, it's hard to strike a balance. It's just a weird thing being this like freelance creative person where you're supposed to be this big self promoter and you have to like mm. tell these clients how good you are, but also like be aware that you're there's people who are more technically skilled than you, and it's just this weird balance of um, yeah, you're caught in the middle of I don't know. I, like I, I don't think I'm particularly like. Uh, I don't know. I have insecurity of how, you know, my talents or whatever. Like I still, if I have a, a big job coming up, I'm like having sleepless nights about it. Like before going into a shoot, you know, even though I've like run through everything in my head, I'd like think I know a plan of exactly what's going to happen. But, uh, and then usually on the day it's fine. It's like, you know, everything's kind of pre like you've you've kind of run through the scenarios of what could go wrong and then you know how to improvise i guess from your skill but even like the more it's like exposure therapy i guess the more times you do some like big intense shoot where you know it's just a lot of people in those in those shoots and and not that i haven't done like these crazy huge things where there's hundreds of people that are like looking to you necessarily for the answers but some version of that and it is intimidating when you're like on a commercial shoot and there's you know like a crew of 50 people or something that your name is near the top of the the call sheet and gallagher, and <laughs> gallagher. yeah they're looking at you wonderwall and you're like uh, not the same guy but, uh, um but yeah i don't know it's a it's a hard thing to to like feel like you've um that you deserve you have a little imposter syndrome yeah right? for sure yeah. i think i think that's I think it's healthy to have a little bit of that for sure, as long as it doesn't destroy you yeah. <laughs> internally. But um, yeah, so I, I don't know. It's I think it's good. I think it's good to like it's good to find pride in the work that you've done. I think and and I think I've like even receiving compliments for for projects that I've done that I I liked as well. I still I feel uncomfortable with it sometimes, where I'm like trying to find a joke or to de- defer the compliment away or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I have put a lot of work into these um, projects that I, I I do like, and yeah. So I think it's just it's, it's just part of this evolving creative process, man. So you've now, <coughs> after many years, traveled the world. You've done many projects, worked with many top athletes, talent. You got thirty thousand Vimeo staff picks. What have been what have been some of the most like intense moments for you on set? Whether it's like with an athlete, like. Because obviously you film extreme stunts, people doing some pretty gnarly stuff where they could get very hurt. Mm-hmm. Are there any particular moments where you remember uh, being almost as nervous as perhaps the athletes up there? I I think I've been lucky in the sports stuff. Like I don't think I've 
Wait, hold on. I need to, I need to do one of these. I haven't like work. been a, been around for a major incident. Like that's uh, MDF, by the way. It's uh, that's oh, fake. Shit. You're gonna have to find some real wood. All right, I'll do it somewhere else. On the, I'll hit that on the way out. Okay. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, I think. Like there's definitely been some moments of, um, you know, an athlete is like doing a big, this is the thing that they're going to do. This is the, the, like, they're terrified of doing it, but, um, and you're terrified that your camera's going to shut off halfway through the stunt <laughs> or something. Um, but yeah, I've been pretty lucky. I think that there hasn't been a major like incident during well, one good. of those things. Yeah. But I definitely like, those are really intense. Those, those moments. So what about the moments where they nail it, the pressure finally kind of lifts from the shoulders, but you have to reveal that you blew the shot and you have to ask for one more. How do yeah. you do that? Because you um, obviously have some level of perfectionism. All your stuff is A plus on point. I feel like there's probably been a few of those. Maybe not on like the, this is the one, I'm doing this stunt one time type thing, but like maybe when the athlete like, if I'm doing a cable cam shot or something and, and the athlete, like, like it's a fast trail and they like nail it, the, you know, they've been hiking a lot and, and they nail it and you're just like, ah, just like cut their head <laughs> off on something. And you're like, that is a hard, you can definitely after, after so many times you can feel, you're like, oh, they hate me. They want to, they want to fucking kill me right now. Yeah. Is this, can I swear, is this going out on the Nickelodeon podcast no. network? Okay, Holy fucking shit! Nice. On Treehouse, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Treehouse TV podcast. You say fudge instead of fuck. Yeah. <laughs> you can change that out. Um, yeah, it's definitely, I, I don't know. I, I think, a, yeah, there are some people that, I don't know. You're scared of to ask for one more? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Claw, Claw would, Claw's not a, he's not a one more type guy. I don't know if I would know. I don't know if I have any experience there. I've I've shot with him a little bit. For the Cam Zinc can be a little scary. He's uh, I mean these are top athletes. These guys yeah, you yeah. know they do big stuff. They don't want to do it multiple times. They got yeah. places to be, people to see. It's fair enough. I mean definitely you should not be doing one more on a stunt that's dangerous for an athlete. Yeah. But if you're working together <laughs> towards getting something now, that isn't that crazy, maybe we hike again and we all walk out of here with the perfect thing so now yeah. like so asking for one more it can be really hard what about i've always experienced this as like an awkward feeling when you captured it and it's good enough and you're thinking in your head you're just going back and forth should i do it again you're all these questions kind of really and then the athlete he's done he just he or she they just say how is it one more are you stoked? And then you kind of have to put on this act of like, yeah, I'm stoked. Like, yeah, yeah, you know. And you, well, come on. Yeah, no, it's, you, can, you know what I mean, right? I feel like I, I do. You I think I have a hard. Uh, sometimes it's genuine. Sometimes yeah, it, it, yeah. that's the best, right? But, oh, yeah, we got it. And it, it's understood. But sometimes there's a little bit of like, yeah, yeah, you can get one more. I think I'm very, um, I'm like stone faced a lot when I'm shooting because I'm just always so, uh, I, I don't know, I'm like tunnel visioned. And so I think I can be hard to read when I'm shooting with mm. people as well. Show up with sunglasses. Yeah, exactly. I just have a visor that's see through. Where's crafty? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I think I can definitely. Um, like being the being the cheerleader while also shooting is sometimes hard for me because yeah. I'm just so focused on this thing and I'm so, like the technical aspects of it that I'm like trying to make make work. Um, that and I think it can be hard for an athlete sometimes too, especially if it's just the two of you or something, and you're just like they do a really gnarly thing and they they just land to silence. 
<laughs> but I'm like, it could be really good. I'm just like reviewing the shot and everything, you know? <laughs> it's just, it's hard sometimes to be like, yeah, and just get so fired up. And some film filmers are so good at that. And, and, and I think that's like a, a, it's a good skill to have. And I can be that. Like when something is so obviously like we killed it, everything's great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's so much like you're saying where you're just kind of like analyzing it and a little bit more. And I think that can be like disheartening when you're not like meeting them with some like really overt encouragement. Well, there's like an emotional intelligence to, to the whole filming side of things, right? Not just the technical intelligence. Yeah, yeah you have to be. I, there's been some times when I'm genuinely stoked on what we have, but maybe I didn't express it in some way because I just got a lot going on in my head. And I think I lose trust sometimes with, I, I can't even think of someone who I've had this with, but yeah, they just don't trust you and then they don't know how to think. <laughs> <laughs> and then, But also sometimes in the shoot, like, they want to see the shot, but you only have so many batteries. You, you only have so much light. The, you know, yeah. the sun's setting, so you can't play back. And uh -huh. you know, how, how are you with that? Are you generous and you always should play back, play back, or you keep it? Yeah, you know? I mean, I think, I think, yeah. Like if we're working, like I think if we've got it, I'll definitely, we're, I'm showing them. But if we're like, the sun is setting and it's like, we haven't got it. Like there's no time to review. Like we got to just do another one. Yeah. That's kind of. And you're a goes. big sunrise, sunset guy. Big time. Yeah? I mean, I would say, I, I would say you're the kind of uh, shooter that wakes up early, stays up late. You're yeah. going out there to do the thing that 90% of people I don't think, bother. isn't that what you're just supposed to do? Yeah, yeah to shoot it is. Like, yeah. And that's why you're so great at it. Yeah, I think it's what you're supposed to do, but it's so hard that not a lot of people yeah. do it. It is funny that to the, and like the example of like, having something referenced and then in a commercial it's like we have one day to shoot this and it's like here's this thing that's just all beautiful golden hour light mm -hmm. and they're like we love just the tone of just that like that oh that's so great like we just want it to visually look like this and you're like well that's you're giving me ingredients for a wrong cake here that's <laughs> Yeah, I don't, it's it's a hard. It's just that world is sometimes it's tricky to to reconcile those things. But but then you have, I mean, just that's kind of the game. And to get to that next level, you know how to show up at high noon in the trees and just make something look amazing. Mm -hmm. It's just like that is like an extra skill level um, for shooting outdoor stuff. I, I think specifically like shooting outdoor stuff. I think it's intimidating for a lot of. Uh, maybe people who just kind of went uh, like uh, through the typical like film school world, but for people coming from action sports, that's kind of the, the baseline. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I think that's kind of just the part of the skill set is then being thrown into less than ideal situations and then using the tools you have to try to make the best out of it. I think is that's, that is what a cinematographer is supposed to do. I mean, ideally you're part of a location scout and choosing the best anyway but i mean i shoot a lot of kind of documentary-esque things where this is kind of just this is this person's house this is what it looks like and so what can we do to make it look as good as it can so mm -hmm. i think it's just it's skills you learn as you i heard a uh i heard a story is this true that you had a cable cam accident cable oh, cam yeah. fell from the sky who's that was yeah on alternate that was byron yeah yeah that was uh it was, yeah, it, <laughs> nobody got hurt. And it yeah. was actually really impressive. Like it was, fell from 30 feet to the ground and there was only like, so a, a red, it was, it was like a red uh, dragon, I think was on it with some Zeiss uh, 
I don't know, CP2 prime, I don't know, whatever. There's some lenses on it, but everything, it was probably like at the time, $60,000 worth of camera gear was 30 feet in the air. And uh, the, the remote controller that runs the, the cable cam sled up and down, um, I think there was like a, the program had changed. And I'm sure I did it at some point. I'm sure there was like a button that, that I hit to change the program um, on it. And basically, previous to that, you would throttle forward and throttle back. And so its default is neutral. So it just stays. So you throttle forward and it goes this way, throttle back, it goes this way. But it had been turned to a program that its default, it just always goes. And so it was pushing, it like rolled down the, the, the line and then this program changed. So it was pushing up against the end of the tree. Um, and it's basically, the system is, a, a, it runs on a nylon rope with rubber drive belts. And so if you imagine, it's pushing up against a tree, it's the motor spinning, so the, the rubber, like it's, it's just burning out, and so you have this rubber friction, and it's so it melted through, and it just dropped from 30 feet. I feel like it was like Jeff Gulovich, Mikhail Gatta were the riders for it, but they weren't, they weren't, this was like separate, they were still up at the top, there, this wasn't, nobody was around, but I was just in the monitor watching, I'm like, huh, that's weird. That's a weird move that's happening right now. <laughs> it's like, huh, it's kind of like a crane move right now. <laughs> and, it just, and then I just heard this huge smash and uh, yeah, it like melted through, dropped 30 feet to the ground. And the only thing that was broken was, it was like a red memory card filleted open. I'd never seen that before. It was like, Whoa. yeah, it was so crazy. It must have landed on the side of the camera and then one that's like the worst case scenario just whatever's on the memory card <laughs> well it was the first it was like the beginning of the day so there's nothing okay. on it but yeah but then uh there was like a carbon like a single carbon rod on the movie was snapped but it was like fifteen hundred dollars worth of damage from th a 30 foot drop with like lenses were fine camera was fine wow. yeah it was all it was, it was kind of crazy so that was the only so I've seen that happen before. I've been on a shoot uh, when someone else was using a, a similar style cable cam. And I was like, just whatever you do, like always make sure the line is level. Like don't go too steep. And you, cause if you start spinning that thing, it's going to melt. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they had never used it before. And I was like, all right, that's fine. Interesting. And then I, yeah, we were in Utah and I remember Ooh. it was like, we were over red rocks and it was just like, I just heard, I was like flying the drone or something and I just heard this big snap and I was like, I know exactly what happened. <laughs> and he was, yeah, the guy was bummed. Was that camera not so good? I think there was some more broken pieces yeah. landing on the red rock than there Yikes. was in the loam. But, but yeah, that was, luckily for that shoot that the, my incident happened on, it was with Byron, who's a friend of mine. They also had a drone there. So they just kind of, we pulled the cable down and they were able to thread the needle and kind of get a pretty similar <laughs> shot. That sounds much drone. easier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what, honestly, when people ask me to do cable cams, I'm like, are you yeah. sure you want to do it? I feel like you should just drone it. And yeah, stuff. I remember because we've done only very little amount of cable cam and usually we ask you to do it. I think maybe always we've asked you. We've learned a lot and you're usually like, yeah, and you're like, yeah, less than enthused to do it yeah well how much money you got all right we're gonna need a ladder i'm gonna need to rent that and you're it's just like a the, <laughs> the one day shoot becomes like a several days of prep like pulling stuff out and then all right i gotta get a ladder and then it's just kind of like bigger than the the act of doing the cable cam stuff and totally. it's, it's hard like work a, man i mean you gotta yeah. carry the spools up and th that takes one person sometimes you gotta have yeah. like a whole army of people but well, it is pretty like once you actually like once I'm out in the woods and we have this, the, like we're ready to set up, I, I do really enjoy that process of doing it. And the stuff that you get from it, I think is oh, yeah. like, 
yeah, you can get kind of similar stuff with a drone, but the precision and yeah. what you can do with repeatability lenses, right? like it's you can't. Yeah, you can't do that in any other way. So yeah, it's fun. I, I remember uh, learning that uh, those lines build up static electricity <laughs> too. So you'd have to like touch it or something to ground it. Yeah, right? yeah, especially <laughs> like sometimes it could kill the camera entirely. Well, because you're yeah, so running up and down, you're just building up the static charge, and especially like doing stuff in a drier climate like the Okanagan. Um, it, it just more, the drier it is, it just builds more static. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. You're smart. Is that right? Is that true? Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking my head that I'm not smart. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, basically, if you go to touch the camera to do any adjusting, you have the static built up on it, and the first thing that you touch, it's gonna. You are the now the ground to to close that i don't know and it gives I you a little one shock. person it was electric engineering i failed it mm. um yeah it shocks you <laughs> and it, so i've done it before spooky. where i've touched i touched like an important part of the camera as the first piece and it, the middle like, of the lens <laughs> well i think it was like a communication like it was like a it was a s small little radio transmitter thing it wasn't that expensive but uh it like fried it Jeez. and so we had to like go to a hobby shop and find some like weird micro computer thing but uh but yeah so now i just always it's just weird i feel like the cable cam comes with all these asterisks that come along with it that it's not like here you go you can just yeah. rent this and you can go do it it's like well you have to do this right. weird thing in this way or else everything crashes to the ground and then so i don't know it, yeah, i think there's just a lot of um yeah and also the system that i have is kind of older too so but it's also i will say it's old but uh, I've worked on projects with other people who have talked about their experiences on newer systems of cable cams. And just all the technology that's added into it is just way more places to go wrong. And so I've heard just all these people's like newer, fancier versions of their cable cams just don't work a lot. Mm -hmm. I feel like mine's been pretty good. So. And have you ever crashed a drone? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I crashed it for sure. Oh, this guy crashes. <laughs> <laughs> Again... Yeah. It's been a while. I'll find real wood yeah. later, but it's uh, it's been a while. But I think I've also like backed off on my uh, like Top Gun Mavericking through <laughs> the woods. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Let's just let's not go crazy. But uh, yeah, oh yeah. I remember like I did a shoot with. Uh, I think the first time I crashed it, I was I kind of just recently got it, and I was like shooting with Rupert Walker and Anthony Missouri at Dustin Gilding's house, and I just got like I was so focused on just tracking like i was just watching flying but then i was like just watching anthony ride and i was like damn he's so sick he's just boosting so high and i just <laughs> there's like i don't know if you've seen clips of that of that uh yard but it's like he's a huge hip that like anthony like famously boosts really high and i just like full speed directly into the landing because i was just like watching <laughs> just watching him ride i forgot that you had to stop stop the drone and then like Paul Genovese was there and he's like filming the video and he's like, Oh, I got it on video. And I was just like, wanted to cry. <laughs> I think I just <laughs> spot this. It was like brand new, oh. uh, but it's funny. Cause I like, you just, you, those inspired drones, they're, they're actually not when you crash them. Uh, they're pretty modular. Like you can like, what you think is a complete write off is you can fix little bits here and there. So cost money, but it wasn't like a full write off. So, I mean, I've got lots, I've crashed lots. So, Time for a game. It's time for a game. Are you familiar with the game? No. Mm, not a big chutter, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a little game called This or That. I'll let our friend explain. 
It's that time again, folks. Time to play This or That, the game where you choose between two radically different options. Name that celebrity. This or that. Are you ready? Come on. Canadian celebrity, local. No idea. Interviewer. Interviews rappers. Where's Plaid? Nardwar? Nardwar. That's Nardwar? Nardwar. Do you you get him to record that? Is Uh, that an AI? AI. (laughs) AI. (laughs) All right. Do you understand the game? We're going to ask you some questions. You got to decide between the two answers. No, turn, not at all. What? Volume down preemptively. No, okay. no I like it loud. What you say, Dave? Turn I told him to turn his volume down preemptively. So every time it's just it like multiple choice answer. Yeah. So just whatever. I'm presented with the two things. And I have to pick the one. Yeah. Correct. Precisely. Oh, okay, have to pick. Okay. Three, two, one. Drop. How <laughs> you still had to turn down? Red or airy? Airy. Movies or TV shows? Ah, uh, movies. Cable cam or drone? Cable. Starbucks or Tim Hortons? Both bad. Uh, Tim Hortons. Filming in the forest or the desert? Ooh, desert's pretty cool. Directing or camera operating? Uh, Directing? I get to boss things around? I don't know. Bad talent or bad lighting? Uh, Well, if I'm... If a director, bad talent. If I'm camera, bad lighting. (laughs) My brain broke. <laughs> Seinfeld or Friends? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Jesus. Erase Friends from that. Being too hot or too cold? Uh, too hot. You can dress for cold. Pia Marble or Poopa Baseball? I feel like... Oh, I feel like I pooped a baseball. <laughs> <laughs> but I've heard a lot of stories about kidney stones. Uh, let's do the baseball one. It's the devil I know. Sum 41 or Blink-182? Let's give some 41 some some props here. Neural disorder or cranked? Uh, neural disorder. Wide angle or telephoto? Mmm. Oh, telly. Oh. Sunrise or sunset? Sunrise. It's rarer. You have to work harder for it. Dick-sized nipples or nipple-sized dick? Dick-sized nipples. nipples. Let's oh, get, get, get some big nipples going. Let's do that one. <laughs> Vimeo staff pick or pink bike VOD? R.I.P. Yeah, I mean, probably back in the day, the VOD would be pretty sick, but I guess Vimeo is cool. Bailey's or Jameson? Bailey's. It's Christmas time. Although this won't come out at Christmas time, I'm sure. Big commercial production or small independent production? Uh, I'll take the pay of a big one, but the workflow of the small one. Okay, that never happens. <laughs> Choose one. Uh, ah, let's, go with the, let's go with the big one. Run a marathon or a road ride 200 kilometers? Hmm... A road red. Underexposed or overexposed? I'm probably an underexposure type fella. Premiere Pro or DaVinci Resolve? Everybody tells me I need to use Resolve, but I'm still on Premiere. Mm, that's good. Uh, <clears throat> Liam Neeson or John Mulaney? Mm, both do have a set of very particular skills. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Uh, I, I like Mulaney. He's a good guy. Warm well, co- I think he's, yeah, well, never mind. <laughs> yeah, Mulaney. Go with it. Warm color grade or cool color grade? Oh, I'm back and forth on this. Let's go cool. I'm back to cool. Cool. Cool picks or Kool-Aid? Mm, I don't think I've ever had Kool-Aid, to be honest. What? I've, I'm sure I've had, like, the knockoff versions of it. Let's go with the cool picks. <laughs> and finally, first aid or just AIDS? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> this is a hard one. First aid or just AIDS. 
Hmm. I feel like first aid feels like the healthier option. Yeah. I got one more. Okay. Um, Liam Gallagher or Noel Gallagher? I forget which ones. Like maybe they're both dicks, but I think they famously hate each other. They do. Uh, let's go with Liam. <laughs> Good Wait, I got one more. I got one more. <laughs> Loam or pow? I haven't been on snow in a while, so I'm Loam. <gasps> Rare. One Loamer. We'll, end, we'll, we'll end on that one. We'll end on that one. He's the one guy okay. in the history of feeding off each other that said Loam or Pow. Maybe I, he's I, one of two people. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, thinking about it now, no. Pow is better. No, but right. yeah, See? Well, <sighs> I knew you hadn't there. been on snow in a while. That's why I usually... Yeah. I, uh, I, need I need to get, get back into it. It's now one less lonely girl. <laughs> well, it's one more lonely girl. <laughs> Good job. That was fun. Mm-hmm. Well done. Nice. Well, this is feeding off each other. Do you feel metaphorically full? Yeah. I'm fat. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking hungry. Do we? Is this good? Is this good podcasting? Do we do good? Well, uh, what I'm do you sure think? I don't know. I'm sure the comments will tell me that I'm not funny. And um, I suck. Glad I assume there will be a comment. Cute. <laughs> 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 we, we're just talking yeah. to the void right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When do we start recording? <laughs> No, I wasn't. I wasn't here when you guys actually started recording. This could be a prank. Uh. All right, Dave, you ready to start? Yeah. (laughs) Green means it's on, right? Yes. No, this was great. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for uh, inspiring us Mm -hmm. with your work at an early age, and still inspiring us with your amazing eye and skills. And um, thank you. I appreciate it. Look forward to whatever's coming up next down the pipe yeah well i just got a costco membership so 2024 is looking pretty exciting nice wow yeah it's pretty cool uh yeah thanks for having me on and i also i'm inspired by you guys no thanks and let me know if you have any uh turbo tax serial keys i need to uh, use some (laughs) (laughs) thank you uh yeah take us out jason we have an oh, intro okay. there, don't we? We have an intro? I mean, oh, an okay. outro. Welcome to Feeding Off Each do the, Other. No, do the outro. No, thanks for listening. Please remember to subscribe, leave us a review, drop a comment. We need speak pipes. Get, get we're all uh, out. Yeah, we're Liam, all out. are you familiar with a speak pipe? You should leave us a speak pipe. Is it like a yak back? It is like a yeah, yak back. well done, Liam. Yes. I, really? It's a, I was completely just guessing based on words. It's a voicemail service online, speakpipe.com slash feeding off each other. Anyone in the world can go on for free and leave us a voicemail. We will listen to it live on air. Super easy. One button. If you don't like it your first try, try it again. Won't you don't have up. to sign up or anything. Mm-hmm. Don't no, sign up or anything. No. <laughs> Super easy. It's better than leaving us a comment or anything because we get to hear your voice. Yeah. And we can talk about it. We get to roast you. You can roast us if you like. Mm-hmm. We'd love if you called in, Liam. It would mean a lot to us, please. Nice. Yes. You promise? Yeah, a one-way conversation where you guys just roast me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, but you can roast us first. It's okay. Whatever, you, want, right. whatever you like, but That's we'd love good. to hear from you. So anyway, leave a speak pipe. And as always... Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Feeding Off Each Other. Please subscribe for more great podcasts. <laughs>